the Lord uh, actually started dealing with me and showed me what I was to share with you all, started dealing with me on Saturday morning about the things I was to share. <clears throat> and this is what he spoke to my heart as I was just studying and seeking God. It's, it's kind of like a poem, but it's not meant to rhyme or anything. But it says, his blood, his sacrifice, on our behalf, we partake through our sacrifice, crucifying ourselves, laying ourselves on the altar as the continual sacrifice, the daily sacrifice. We've been talking, last week we talked about the Ark of the Covenant and how the Ark of the Covenant represented the very presence of the Lord and the Ark of the Covenant was that place of sacrifice, the place, you know, in the Old Testament where, where they would bring the animals to, to sacrifice, but that represented the presence of the Lord, and it represented how much God desired and has always desired and will always desire to be in the presence of his people, that he wants to dwell with, with his people he always has. But what the Lord started showing me is that the new altar is us, is our lives. That's the new altar in the New Testament. That's the new altar is us laying down ourselves as a sacrifice to the Lord daily. And, and I know this is not a fun message. You know, a lot of people don't want to hear about how they've got to give it over to God, how they've got to lay down their lives for the Lord. People don't like to hear that all the time. But if we want what God has for us, we have to hear these things. I have this written down. To believe in Christ is to deny ourselves. To believe in Christ is to take up our cross. And... I really believe that what the Lord's trying to do is disciple us as believers. That the Lord wants us to focus on discipleship. And, and, and I asked the Lord, what really is discipleship? You know, we read John 8, 31 and 32 every single week, every single service, every single Sunday or Saturday night. We pull up John 8, 31 and 32 and it says what? If you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed, right? Disciples of the Lord are students of the Lord, continually aiming to grow with God and go on with God. So there's the two main things that we need to remember, continuing and growing. Those are the things. If we get to a place where we quit, then it was all worth nothing. We should have never started in the first place. And if we get to the place where we just don't feel like growing anymore, then we might as well have never started either. It's two important things that are needed if we're going to be disciples of the Lord, that we continue no matter what, and that we grow no matter what. Our focus is to always grow greater and greater connections with the Lord, to continue to go to Him, to continue to, to seek Him and consecrate our lives. Discipleship is about helping Christians grow both in faith and commitment to the Lord. It's about deepening our relationships with the Lord and deepening our desires to consecrate our whole person to him. That is what really a disciple should be all about. A disciple of the Lord, our aim should be, Lord, let me just be close to you. You want me in your presence. I want you in my presence. I want to know what you have for me to do. I want to lay my life down. I want my life to be this altar of sacrifice for you, Lord, that you can do anything you want to do with me, Lord. My whole person belongs to you. My whole person is crucified with you, Lord. And we don't do that enough. We hear it. We read it. Crucified with Christ. I must be crucified with Christ. I must lay down my own self. You know, we hear it. We can say it. We can recite it. We know it's all over scripture. But how often do we do it? We don't. 
because we're distracted by life where we can get easily upset, easily offended, easily, easily, you know, just just uh, worn out and just not desiring to press in anymore. I mean, we've all been there probably today. I wanted to quit today. I wanted to quit and I wanted to move away. I wanted to be done with all of this. That's the attack that the devil has on, on, on my mind. Just quit. What's the point? But the point is that if we don't continue, we might as well have not started in the first place. The point is, is if we don't want to grow with him, we might as well have never come in the first place. It would have been better if we never came. It would be better if we never ever started because we're no further ahead if we quit now as if we never came. It's important to continue with God. I'm going to read Matthew 16, 24, and 25, and I love the title of this section of Scripture. It says, Discipleship is costly. Costs us something to follow God. You know, you come, God, God ha, you know, you have an encounter with the Lord. I don't know how all of you ended up saved. I don't know how, how all of you had, you know, came to that place of, of coming to God. I had a very kind of dramatic moment. You know, I, I, the Lord and I had an interaction in my car alone as an atheist, right? And I, and I came to the Lord in a very kind of dramatic and meaningful moment. I remember it very clearly. Some of you might not even remember how you started believing, trusting God. Maybe for some of us, you just kind of believed your whole life. You don't remember a time where you didn't, you know? But regardless of that, we've got to trust him from that point forward. None of us is exempt from continuing to grow. None of us is exempt from continuing to press in with him and, to con and continuing to lay our life down to him, and, um, you know, down for him. But in the beginning, even if you didn't come in some dramatic way, in the beginning it always feels very like hunky-dory. <laughs> I don't have a better word for it than that, but it feels like, wow, a new, a new life. Wow, like something's different. And then all of a sudden you're living in the same fallen world. Six months down the line, a year down the line, five years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years down the line, you're living in the same broken, fallen world, and you're dealing with the same broken, fallen stuff, and you're having the same attacks come against you and your family, you know, finances and physical and mental and emotional and strife and all that stuff, and it's the same thing that you were experiencing in the world, and we tend to stop and think God's not with us anymore. I mean, I might as well just go back to the way it was before because, you know, it's no different. My life is still the same, but it's not still the same. The Lord told us we would have trial. The Lord told us we would have tribulation. He told us that if we live in this world and we serve him, that we would suffer for his sake. He told us that. So what we're experiencing now is not the same as what we've experienced when we were in the world. It's different. We have hope now. We have the Lord on our side. We have a promise of eternity with God. We have a promise that he's not going to quit on us. What's that song you were playing for me earlier? The, that, that song was just so wonderful. Do you have the lyrics by chance for that song? It was just so, we were listening to this song and I was like, yes, this is it right here. This goes right along with what the Lord's been dealing with my heart on. I'll let him pull it up. We have a hope. We have something of promise, the best promise, the greatest promise. But if we quit, if we lose heart, if we don't continue, then what's the point? What is the point? Any of you felt like quitting lately? Anybody? 
I felt like quitting. And I share that with you because it's important for you to understand that we all deal with these things. This is called Make It Out Alive. Make It Out Alive by Christian Stanfill. Let's see which, I'm just gonna read the whole song, do you care? All right, it's gonna take some time, healing always does. Embrace the road you're walking, be patient with the process. You're gonna make it out alive. Just embrace the road you're walking, be patient with the process. You're gonna make it out alive. It's the moment that you realize all this pain can't be undone. You look around at all the wreckage and you wonder if it's worth it, all the work left to be done. To run and hide would be so easy. You don't want to stay and fight. If you don't give yourself completely, you won't get to see the beauty waiting on the other side. It's going to take some time. Healing always does. Embrace the road you're walking. Be patient with the process. You're going to make it out alive. And I think that's enough that I'll... Be patient with the process. Yes, you look around and you're like, what is the point? How am I, me, little old me, going to do anything? How am I going to change this broken world? How am I going to change? How am I going to make Christians hungry for God? Step into the furnace. Let the fire serve its pur purpose. It's painful in the flame, but it's what it takes to change. If you want a resurrection, then a dying has to happen. The death is not the end. Oh, it's where your life begins. It's going to take some time. Healing always does. Embrace the road you're walking. Be patient with the process. You're going to make it out alive. What did he promise us? This life is a vapor. This life is temporary. This life is not the one that, we're, that we put all our eggs into this basket. This life is, is, is this time where we are strangers. We're pilgrims to this world. We're living in this dark place, and we're supposed to be what? We're supposed to be the light. But we are getting caught up in the darkness. We're getting caught up in it. Maybe we're not going and blatantly out there living in sin. Maybe we're not. But we're distracted by it. We're distraught by it. We worry about it. We, we let it weigh us down. We let it make us confused. Or we let, you know, anybody else, or is that just me? We do it. We deal with this. We fight this battle every day. But the point is that God said we would make it out alive. We would get to be with him in eternity. We will get to live with him forever if we just keep going. We do not lose heart. We continue. And no matter what, no matter what, we, we, uh, what comes against us, we just can't quit. But it's more than just not quitting. And that's the thing that the Lord was dealing with me about. We can, you know, there are seasons where all we can do is get back up. Sure. There are seasons where all we can do is like make ourselves sit up again. Sure. But, but when we're not in that place, we've got to work harder than this, guys. Yeah, yeah. We've got to care more about the work of the Lord. We've got to care more about what God wants to use us for and do in us and what he wants us to lay down for him. We have to care more. In those times where we aren't so weak, where we're you know, pushed, pushed down, and we're not so weak where we can't do anything, those are those times where we have to stir ourselves up and stir each other up. And you know, when we talk about Hebrews 10, 24, 25, and it talks about assembling together, and, and that we're supposed to come together and stir each other up to good works, because sometimes you don't feel like it, or you don't feel like it, or I don't feel I can anymore, and someone else is going to have to be that stirrer. 
And someone else is going to have to say, you know what, I will sacrifice myself for this person right now. I will sacrifice myself, and I will take my time, and I will sacrifice it so that this person can keep going. But what ends up happening is we all just kind of get into our own little world of, of we're all living in this painful place and we get into our, you know, this darkness that's around us, this world, this fallen world. It's a painful place sometimes. My goodness gracious, there's so many things that come up in your week, in your day, that are not fun to hear. They're not fun to be a part of. Amen? We live in this place, but what we end up doing is we get into this little, like the madman of Gadara, tomb of our own, and we're isolated. And instead of continuing, instead of encouraging each other and, and, and stirring each other up, we get so focused on ourselves that we're all living in destruction, that none of us can do it anymore. Praise the Lord. I know this is corrective, or it can be, but also, it's good to know we're not alone, that we all deal with these things, and that we've got to do something about it. We can't just let the devil rule over the church. Did I read Matthew 16, 24, and 25? Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. To deny oneself, to deny means to lose sight of our own interests. When we signed up and accepted Jesus and accepted his blood that purchased us, that washed us, that set us on a new course, that's what salvation is. That's what becoming a born again believer is, is that we have repented from our sins. We've let the blood of Jesus wash us. We've been grateful to receive that. And now we're on a new course. If we never go on a new course, you were talking about this week, that this weekend, if we don't go on a new course, we're not really serving God. We, are we really saved? Have we really even repented if we haven't started to go on a new course? But it says to, to deny is to lose sight of oneself and one's own interests. I don't care, Lord, if it's not what's comfortable to me. I don't care. I, I, if, if it was up to me, my life would look a lot different, I'm just going to tell you. I, I have lots of different plans. And sometimes the devil tries to remind me of all those plans that would have been so much better than, than the attack that happens from serving the Lord. You know, you ever get that where you're like, it would have been so much better if I just decided to do that. Hey, I remember when I was going to move over here. I was going to have this nice job over there. Oh, yeah, I remember when I almost ended up there and then somehow I ended up here instead and the devil wants to attack your mind like, man, you really missed it. Ever been there? Oh, man, you, you made the bad choice. Following God is never a bad choice. I don't care how hard it is on our flesh. I don't care how hard it is on our minds. It's never a bad choice to lay your life down for the Lord. But the thing is, is if you've laid your life down for the Lord and you picked it up somewhere along the way and started living it for yourself again, it's time to stop. It's time to change. It's time to repent. It's time to go back to that altar. Lay yourself down as a sacrifice to the Lord and, and give your life over to him once again. And if you have to do that 10 times a week for the rest of your life, that's what it's going to take. Because when the Lord comes back, he's coming back for a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. And he wants us waiting for him like a bride waiting for, for her groom. Or a groom waiting for his bride. That's what he's waiting for. And he wants us without spot or wrinkle. He wants us at that place where we gave ourselves over to him, that we crucified ourselves to be crucified with him. Well, praise the Lord. 
I, I, this is like a realization that came to me, you know, talking about deny, losing sight of ourselves and our own interests. You know, people lose sight of themselves all the time. I'm a high school teacher. I watch it happen. I watch these kids who have no idea who they are. Last year they were this kind of kid, and this year they're this kind of kid because these are the friends that are around them, and they conform and conform and conform to whoever is around them. We lose sight as humans, we lose sight of ourselves all the time. But what we're supposed to do is lose sight of ourselves to be how he wants us to be, to conform to him, not to the world. But it's easy, we conform all the time. We watched this thing, it was like this experiment. I love it, like sociology and studying people, I love that. But we watched this experiment and, and it had this waiting room full of people and they were all sitting down and every time, and there were actors, and every time a new person came in the room, they, um, every single one of them stood up, and they just looked forward, and they didn't say a word, and they did that several times, and finally, a woman that was there that was the one they were doing the experiment on, she finally was like conforming, and she started standing up. No idea why she was standing up. Well, through the process of this video, Oh, there was a bell, like a, like a chime, but when the chime went off, everybody stood up. It was like Pavlov's dogs, you know? <laughs> anyway, so she eventually um, was the last one in the waiting room. And when the bell went off or the chime, she stood up and she was alone. She didn't even know why she was standing up. And then a new person comes in, and guess what? It didn't take them long to figure out how to conform to that. And that is the way humans are. We conform all the time. All the time we conform. And if you look at your own life, you'll see the areas that you've conformed to the world or to each other or to people around you and not to God. But what we're called to do as disciples of him is we're called to conform to him and to his word and to continually conform and go back to that place where we're living like he has for us to live. We're being who he wants us to be, not who the world wants us to be. And I'm not talking about those blatant areas. I'm not talking about, you know, blatant sins. We all, a lot of us gave those things up a long time ago. A lot of us didn't, don't partake of, you know, the debauchery that the world partakes of. But we do a lot of things that aren't godly. Yeah. We have a lot of things that we don't put God first in. And that's what I'm talking about here tonight. Praise the Lord. Go to 1 Peter chapter 4. Praise God. 1 Peter chapter 4. Honestly, this whole chapter is so good, but we're not going to read the whole thing because we are going to spend some time and pray. But I am seeking the Lord as to direct this service. Amen? But 1 Peter 4, 1 through 2, it says Peter, uh, it, well, in this, Peter is writing to a whole lot of different uh, Christians in different cities in his kind of sphere of influence. So with that, when we know that, it's not necessarily a specific situation at hand, it's overall direction. And so we can really take that too as overall direction. But it says, therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. As a result, they do not live the rest of their <laughs> earthly lives for human, evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. You know, the Bible tells us 
that suffer, it, it is suffering to live for the Lord. It is suffering to put your life, put your, your life into God's hands and to put him first when there's a million other things that your flesh is going to want to put first. And I'm not even talking about always like exciting things that your flesh wants to put first. Any of you woken up on a Sunday morning and you thought, I'm so tired. I just don't want to get out of bed. I just wish I didn't have to do this. I, I mean, have you ever thought that way? And sometimes some of us don't raise your hands, have given into that. <coughs> Stayed home because I was just too tired. You know, and I get it. I was so tired today. In fact, I came home, I laid down, and I can't ever take a nap, and I passed right out. I was just exhausted. And I thought, oh, and the, you know, why did I sign up for this? Why did I sign up? Because the Lord dealt with me. The Lord dealt with me that we had to do this on these Tuesdays, that, that we had to come together and seek him, that we had to come together with no preconceived notion that it had to be his direction. We had to do it. I had to open up the church, and the faithful would come. And the people who were hungry would come, and I would just have to trust him in that. And I remember that he dealt with me on that, and I had to go to my husband about it. And you know what the devil deals with my husband and beats my husband up about? That, that he's the pastor. He's got to do, do the hard things. He's got to make sure he's got to do all the stuff. And, and my wife works, and she can't have this on her plate. He didn't put it on my plate. The Lord did. And so we deal with these battles in our mind all the time, these things that we don't want. It's not just the fun stuff your flesh wants. It's the stuff your flesh doesn't want to do. It's the stuff that you just don't want to keep going for. You know, we have to fight those things too. Those are the things that we fall into all the time. Like all that debauchery, I'm thinking most of us in here aren't living lives like that. You know, that they talk about all those blatant wicked things and all that, you know, partying, revelry, all that stuff. We're not typically doing that. Most of us aren't out murdering. We're not, we're not doing these things, but we're battling these areas where we just don't want to put God first where we just don't want to keep going, where we just don't want to get our bodies in line and, and, and our minds and keep going. These are the things that we battle. And these are the things that are our suffering. These are the things that we have to not only embrace, but we're not going to get away from them. If we're going to live a life of God, if we're going to be his disciples, discipleship is costly. And these are the areas that it costs. And there's many more of them. And you can run, but it's better if you never started in the first place if you do that. Praise the Lord. Let's skip down to verse 12. 1 Peter 4, 12. <clears throat> Dear friends, <laughs> I love this. This is the NIV I'm reading. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. I love what the NASB says here. It says, but to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing, so that also at the revelation of his glory, you may rejoice with exaltation. See, we see here that it, for a Christian is not uh, merely to endure, but actually to rejoice in the suffering. Whoa, that'll rock your world. Like, but we talk about it, you hear these examples, we know about the athlete, we know about, you know, the farmer who works hard, we know about these examples. Some of you like to run, I don't get it, but some of you like to run, I see you running in the winter, I don't get it, but good for you. And you run because you like that resistance, you like what that running and that suffering, you know, it's suffering to run and especially in the cold. <laughs> but she likes what that suffering is doing for her. 
She likes what it's probably doing for her heart or keeping her in shape or giving her energy. She likes that. But in the moment, it's not, it's not always fun. It's suffering. You can, you can physically, you have to, have to endure. If you're an athlete, if you're, you know, we talk about resistance training. I don't know much about it, so I can't talk much about it. But people do it because the resistance strengthens them. The suffering is meant to strengthen us. If you read the Faith Fix today, I don't know if you did, but if you read it, it was a good question. Talking about how, how our scars can be a testimony to somebody. How, how our scars, you know, though they were painful, are part of what grew us, are part of our testimony, are part of what has made us who we are. The things we've gone through the sufferings that we've endured are part of who we are now. And we can either let them weigh us down or we can let them propel us forward in the plan of God and know that, my God, he got me through that and that and that and that and that and all these things. And oh my God, he'll get me through this too. He'll keep me going even in this, that my suffering will strengthen me if I allow it to, that it doesn't have to work against me. Resistance, if you're a Christian who believes in God, who's trying to serve the Lord with all your heart, and that resistance comes up against you, you're just made stronger if you allow that to happen. If you just sit down and you give up, I'm not saying you can't cry sometimes. I cry sometimes. You ever cry? You want to quit? You want to cry? That happens all the time. But you get back up. You keep on going. You keep letting that, that path that the Lord has for you unfold. And no matter what comes against you, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. I know it matters, you know, in the moment. And that's why sometimes it's going to be such an attack that others need to help us. But you know what? If we're not connected and unified, we can't be there for each other. If we don't know what's happening in other people's lives, if we, are, if we can't put ourselves down to help somebody else at moments, we're not going to be able to get through this. Do you have... That's what the devil's doing in the local church. That is what the devil's doing in the local church. Very much so. In our churches, the devil is trying to isolate people to their own stuff their own lives, distracted with their own stuff where they don't even know about anybody else's life. Yeah, well, I'll be crushed. I, th I believe that part of what, how the devil is, is working right now is, is through that, is through that lack of unity, is through that lack of connection. Why do you think I stand up here week in and week out and I say, all, I mean, how many times? It's like I feel like sometimes I'm like a, a repeat record. Find those people that you don't know. Talk to them. Get to know them. Find out who these people are that you sit in church with. Find out about their lives. Be there for them. If we come into church and we just sit in one place and we never talk to anybody, shame on us. How are we? Yeah, and clicks. Oh, don't get me started on clicks. I teach high school. I told you that. I have a high school daughter. We see clicks all the time. And you know what clicks do? They hurt people. Clicks keep people out. Clicks aren't good. So we can't have clicks in the local church. We can't be that church. We've got to be a church who will be unified of like precious faith. We care about each other more than we care about ourselves. Easier said than done, but it's important. And the devil wins if we give it over to him. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. The experience of suffering is a trial to prove the reality of our faith. We can expect God to work to strengthen, that, strengthen us if we turn to him during those times. I have this. Suffering is sharing in Christ's experience. No one suffered more than him. So as we suffer, we can resonate with him. We can understand 
what, just what he did for us and greater. You think of your worst moments of suffering, the worst pain you've ever endured, those, those darkest moments of your life. Christ did more. Christ suffered more. And if you keep that in perspective, your suffering is just going to help you to share in Christ's experience. <clears throat> it's a pathway to his glory working in us. And it is a way that our lives will bring glory to him if we endure that suffering and get through to the other side. It's an opportunity for blessing, meaning we get to let the Holy Spirit work in our lives. When we're in the midst of it and we can't do it ourselves, we get to watch God actually move. We get to, get, we get to be there for that. <clears throat> Overcoming or moving forward despite the trial will prove the relevance of the gospel. My husband said on Sunday, he said, that the attack of his life, the things that the devil has tried to use against him, you know what they've been for? To steal his testimony, to steal his witness. Not you, no, I believe that's for, you said, I believe. No, I know, I, I'm just saying, I'm saying. Everyone. Yeah, yeah. This is what the what devil, yes, the Lord showed him that about himself, but that it was for us all. That, and, and really just believers in general, that the greatest thing the devil's trying to do is steal your testimony. If you quit, if you fail, if you fall back into, you know, perdition, the people who've been watching your lives, and by the way, there's people watching you like a hawk. Anybody known that? You know, one time, one time, my husband got a little snarky with me in front of a family member. One time, and it was not really bad at all, honestly. It was like one moment. Want me to tell you about it? I, we were on vacation. We brought somebody along with us. I, he asked for a bottle of water at a gas station. I go to get into the trunk of the, the vehicle, and my suitcase falls on me. And I'm like laying on the ground, and he's wondering why I'm ignoring him because he's parched and, and needs water and is like coughing or something crazy. And he's like, I need water. <laughs> and do you know, though, it was a funny moment. I laugh about it now, but do you know that that family member who was with us still brings it up? And it was like 15 years ago. Still brings it up to let me know that she knows that my husband's not really that nice. Oh, yeah. You are being watched by the people around you. Don't get scared of that, but let that propel you even more to live for the Lord because they will take and people will nitpick every little thing a Christian does to ruin your testimony, to ruin your witness. You got a little snarky. You got a little mad in traffic. You got a little mad at that person at the register. I'm not saying that you can't make mistakes because we are going to, but just know that you're being watched and your witness is what's on the line. Your testimony is what, what the devil's after. A trial is an opportunity to commit ourselves to God and prove his faithfulness. God's people are able and should understand that they can commit to all these issues of life. You can commit your life to live here despite whatever comes against you with full confidence on the one who gave us life. We are to rejoice to the degree that we share in the suffering with Christ. Think about that. To the degree that we give ourselves over to the Lord in this earthly realm is the degree with which we'll be able to experience his true joy. Yeah. Not that any of us ever get excited to go through it, but the trial is to rob our peace, our joy, and our testimony. If we won't suffer with Jesus, we won't partake of him. 
and if we won't suffer through it and, and get to the other side, I'm not saying you have to just lay down and be like, yeah, I just, anything that comes against me, I love it. I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying that we can't let the suffering take us out and that sometimes we're gonna have to cry and sometimes we're gonna have to feel that, feel it. But we've got to keep going, we've got to continue, we've got to keep coming and laying our lives down at the altar and sacrificing ourselves, our whole being, for the Lord and for this work on this earth. If he, didn't, if he didn't have something for us to do, we wouldn't be here. We would be gone already, we'd be with him, this earth would be destroyed, and guess what? So many people you know would be destroyed with it. But we don't want that to happen. So what we do is we endure and we suffer through this life so that we can hopefully get people, God's not willing that any should perish. We're supposed to bring them with us. We're supposed to make disciples out of all the nations. We're supposed to do that. But if we're not disciples and if we're not following the Lord ourselves, how can we teach somebody else to do it? We've got to keep going. We can't quit. We can't let the suffering get us down. We can't let the suffering put us in our box or our tomb of isolation that keeps us from ever knowing what anybody else is going through. Because guess what? For everything you're going through, somebody else, I don't know how I'm getting all fired up. Probably that nap I had. <laughs> or it's the Lord. But no matter what you're going through, you can rest assured somebody else is going through just as bad or maybe even worse. And probably people you know are going through just as bad or maybe even worse. And maybe you're just so distracted by your own stuff that you can't see it. But if you could see it, maybe you would be encouraged that you're not alone in the suffering. You see the trick here? Isolate yourself, get caught up in all your own mess here, stay right here in your tomb, and all this is going on around you. And if y'all came together and had these kind of conversations that were like, are you suffering? I've been suffering. You've been suffering. We've all been suffering. Guess what? The devil doesn't like that we're serving God. We've got to keep going. We've got to let this lift us up. We've got to be there for each other. Let's pray right now together. You ever pray with other believers? It's important. It's all right. If you've got friends, get together and pray. I know Lori tried to have some people over and pray. I'm sorry to, call, to put you on the spot. I'm sorry. I just There's some boldness here. She invited some friends over to pray, and I don't know if anybody even showed up. You know what? If you can't set aside time to pray, well, my gosh. And I'm not saying we all have to go to everybody's house and pray all the time, but, you know, if somebody's like, I have it on my heart to call my friends over and we can pray together, pray with them. Pray together. Why not? Well, praise the Lord. Romans 12, 1. I guess it's more of a message night than anything, but I do believe it's the Lord. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, this is what I wrote down because the Lord showed me this. We don't have an altar like they did in the Old Testament. And like we talked about last time we were here about the Ark of the Covenant. But what we do have is this metaphorical altar that we're to lay our lives down. I don't find it coincidental that the Lord's been really dealing with your heart about people coming to the altar. You know, that's been something that keeps coming up in, in my husband's messages and, and just in his heart. The Lord wants us to lay our lives down at the altar. 
He needs us to lay our lives down at the altar or he can never do anything with us. And he's not going to use us to reach anybody. And you know what's discouraging? As a Christian, when you feel like you haven't won anybody to the Lord in a long time, feel like you haven't gotten anybody to come to church with you, or you feel like you haven't witnessed to anybody in a long time, you feel like, what am I even doing for God? Guess what? We all get to those points, but we need to go to God and we need to say, Lord, you help me. I'm giving myself over to you. And then you know what we need to do better at is honing our skills of hearing God. You know, we can brush it off. The Lord's not really having me go to that person. The Lord's not really having me to set aside this time to pray. The Lord knows how busy I am. The Lord's not really having me to sacrifice this or that or this. Because, you know, he wouldn't want to make it hard on me. <laughs> Anything the Lord calls us to do is for the greater good. The altar is, oh, yeah, listen to this. The altar is meant to be a sacred place to encounter God. I read this while I was studying this weekend. The altar now, in this new time, in this new covenant, the altar is constructed primarily of two things, space and time. If we are to encounter God at a sacred, holy place, we must set a time and a place for that meeting. And I believe that's what the Lord has been trying to do here on Tuesday nights. And I don't believe that he's just trying to do it on Tuesday nights. I believe he's trying to train us and disciple us through these Tuesday nights so we know how to do this in our own time. So we know how to set up that time and space, that place that we can come to God and we can spend that time laying our lives on the altar and examining ourselves and knowing what he has for us, the things he has for us to change or to correct, the things he's got to get over to us, the people he has for us to reach or to pray for or to, or to serve. He wants us to set aside and really find that place where we can lay ourselves down at that altar. Two things, time and a place. Set it up for, for God to be able to meet with you and you to meet with God. A sacred place so you can encounter God. That's what the altar is meant to be. And I know God is with us wherever we go. I, don't, I know that. But that's not what we're, we're talking about. Sometimes you just, you've got to set that time aside for him. That's the first sacrifice in serving the Lord, is finding a way to set that time and place aside for God, that time and place that you can come to his altar, that you can lay yourself there. And we're going to do that here tonight, because this is, this is where I'm going to end here. Well, actually, no, I'm not. I'm going to read 1 Peter 2, 4 through 5, and then, then we're going to get into the next assignment the Lord had for us tonight. <clears throat> In 1 Peter 2, 4 through 5, it says, As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. A chosen people, a living stone, chosen by God and precious to him. He's, he's trying to live inside of us. We're meant to be his temple, his holy place. That's what we're meant to be. And our life is supposed to be a spiritual sacrifice, a spiritual sacrifice for the Lord. We've got to examine ourselves. That's our assignment. That's what the Lord had for, for us to do tonight. So we prayed for the sick. We got into this message, and I realized the message was longer than it normally has been the last few Tuesdays, but 
it's all right because we're just following God. And I do believe that God is trying to correct and clean up some things and get us on the same page. That's what God wants, us on the same page. All right, so 2 Corinthians 13, 5. It says, let me take water. Every time I get into this pulpit, I've been attacked with a dry mouth. (laughs) Literally, that's the only time. Examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do not realize that Christ Jesus is in you, unless, of course, you fail the test. This is Paul's exhortation to the Corinthians, and really to all of us, to reflect on our faith and our conduct, to see Are we living for the Lord? Are there areas of our lives that we haven't laid down for him? Are there things that we picked back up and took the reins back over? 